Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com. By now, you've probably seen ads about water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere on TV, social media, and probably even following you around on the Internet. The water at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune was contaminated with toxic chemicals for more than three decades. It is not rare for people who drank this water for an extended period of time to develop severe illness, including kidney cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, liver cancer, bladder cancer, birth defects, Parkinson's, and more. A new law called the PACT Act allows victims of poisoned water to seek repayment for their medical costs. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it is important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and won't take no for an answer. To file your claim and to have your case prioritized, sign up at SickMarine.com. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. YouTube and Facebook, it is the Huddle Up! Podcast coming to you with the Gut Reaction episode immediately following the Denver Broncos' brutal loss on the road to the Buffalo Bills falling 20-3. to Zach, how you doing, my brother? How was your weekend? We're going to react to this game, but how are you hanging, dude? Um, my weekend was kind of ruined. It was otherwise nice, Chad, but it, my weekend was kind of ruined by watching this Broncos game today. That was an embarrassment to the sport, if we're being honest with each other here. 134 total yards. I don't care about the environment. I don't care about the weather. I don't care about the opponent. That is an embarrassment, Chad. The Broncos, I think, hit a new low today. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, you can say, well, that should have been a defensive performance that is good enough to win in most weeks. Not really. When you allow a team, and I've heard this a few times now already on social media is why I'm addressing it this way. If you allow a team to post 424 total yards, if you allow a team to convert 50% on third down, you know, you're going to lose that game more often than not. The Denver Broncos, they could only muster three points. Zach, in the final 25 minutes of play, the Denver Broncos could not move the chains even once. Absolutely brutal. And anyone who is somewhere in the back of their the the lizard brain, you know, the the deepest corners of of the mind, hoping that maybe Brandon Allen was the guy, mm-hmm. that's got to be quashed at this point. Or hoping the Broncos could somehow make a playoff push. That delusional hope, Chad, that some some comments we were getting. I'm not knocking any fans, but this just shows how far the Broncos are away from contending. And I don't want to say it's all on Brandon Allen. I don't want to say that Drew Locke would solve this because the Broncos are a very deeply flawed team. They showed that today with the play calling. Scangarello went back to being just mind-numbingly bad today. The, the defensive coaching wasn't great. The tackling was bad. It was death by stupidity today. 
Amen. We're going to get to all of it here, you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging with us and joining us live. Those of you who've been in the room for a few minutes, thanks for bearing with us while we got yes. our ducks in a row. But this is the Huddle Up podcast. And before we dive in, let me just remind everybody to follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing, Go to the uh, Huddle Up podcast listing on Apple Podcasts, find the show, leave a creative review and a five-star rating. That helps the show tremendously, and it also enters you into the drawing that we give away at the end of the month, which is going to be toward the end of next week, maybe first of the next week following, where we'll announce two winners at least in the drawing giveaway for the reviews on Apple Podcasts in the month of November. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime, and get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs, or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. All right, Zach. First and foremost, we got to say thank you to Chris Hernandez. Thank you, Chris. Dropping in with a $21 donation on Super Chat. He says, I would like to believe that it's lock time, but sadly, I can't give myself hope hashtag football priest it's that's a sad comment that we still can't see it as a guarantee or have hope the broncos would play their second round investment after losing now two games with brandon allen after brandon allen shows that he's obviously not the starting quarterback answer he's more of a backup type prospect it's sad chad we're even still getting that sort of comment it's sad that we don't even know when or if Locke will play this year I mean, Vic Fangio made the the argument for Drew Locke, for, for not fearing playing Drew Locke last week. We talked about it where he basically echoed things we've said on this podcast dating back now three, four months, which is the Broncos, you can't fear throwing Locke out there worrying that somehow you're going to ruin him or spoil him because it's not the perfect scenario. Right. If a quarterback can't hang and can't show – perseverance and fortitude and even in, even in lo- in loss even in failure even if he doesn't you know hit the ground running and throw four touchdowns a game and the Broncos continue to lose if he can't hang and, and fight and battle and show some mental toughness and and rise to the occasion and, and show glimpses of overcoming these obstacles then he's not cut out to be your guy anyway um, JT jumping in with a ten dollar well ten pound donation <laughs> thank you JT pond. our friend here he says no more evasion from Fangio and Elway no more delay no more band-aids over bullet holes and no more excuses. This must get sorted now, starting with Drew Locke being on the sideline next Sunday. And Zach, what do you think? Do you think the Broncos are fine? I mean, this is the final week that they can practice him without either activating him to the 53 or shutting him down for the season. Is this the coming week where they finally rip that band-aid off? 
I don't see why it wouldn't. Like I said, if Brandon Allen would have kept on his winning, they they can ride that excuse. They don't want to take out the hot quarterback. But after seeing the way he's played after the Broncos are seemingly getting worse and not showing any sort of improvement under center, I don't see why they wouldn't want to come home in a better situation. They're not going to be on the road. They're not going to be playing a tough opponent. Why wouldn't you want to play your quarterback then? Like you say, Chad, like we've been saying, there are no perfect solutions in the NFL, no perfect situations. You have to rip the Band-Aid off at once. Get it over with. But to me, it's time. It's been time. Enough messing around, enough excuses, enough rationalizations, no more mothballing, no more stalling. It's time to play the man. Dylan jumps in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. He says, start lock and don't look back. And Zach, that's one of the things. And by the way, big thanks, Dylan. You are the man. Um, and, And really quick, our Super Chat donors, you guys, we have we're, we're trying to keep records and putting it all together so that we know who to send some gear out to. Uh, we've com- we've compiled about half the list, and here in the coming days, we're going to be reaching out to everybody and letting our, our biggest Super Chat donors know how to get in touch with us so we can get your physical address, start sending you some thank yous by way of merch and Huddle Up Pod, Mile High Huddle, uh, Schwag coming up. So, But what I was going to say is, as he points to there, Dylan, he says, start locking, don't look back. Zach. One of the reasons why I think the Broncos have dragged their feet, and even Fangio hinted at this or intimated this earlier this past week, one of the reasons why is they know once you turn to Locke, you can't make the same mistake you did with Paxton Lynch in that you turn to him and then pull him off back to the sideline. It can affect the confidence. you got to, once you turn to Drew Locke and you put him on the field, there is no looking back. I mean, for the foreseeable future, unless he completely, and I mean like, Nathan Peterman bombs in the remaining five games. You got to give him the five games, no matter what, and you got to give him 2020. So yes. that's part of it is the Broncos kind of gearing up emotionally, from, also from a football perspective, to completely close ranks around Drew Locke and not look back. I was going to say, even if he does pull a Peterman, even if he bombs in those five appearances, Chad, they, he's not enough audition time for a guy the Broncos knew was a raw prospect, a guy they didn't want to play this year. They absolutely deserve to give him 2020 as well, at least put him in a competition to become the starter. Not Maybe not hand the, the job to him right away, but yeah, it's, it's time now. See what the guy has. What else are you stalling for? What else are you waiting for? You're going to hide behind Brandon Allen and kind of limp to the finish here and go into 2020 and not know what your second-round pick is capable of, a guy Elway loved in the pre-draft process. I will say it again like we said it a billion times before. It is unexplainable, and to me it makes zero sense. Yep, it is the epitome of inexplicable. And by the way, Stephen, jumping in with a $30 donation, you are on the list in line to get some swag here. We will be reaching out to you soon. In fact, Stephen, if you haven't yet, email us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com your uh, personal details, physical address, where we can send you some stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point here, Zach. I mean, it's, it's by far, it's surpassed the point in which the Broncos, you know what? It's the eighth losses on the board. Now let's dispense with any uh, delusion of, you know, holding out hope that this team is going to make a playoff run. <laughs> this season is over. Okay. It's done. It's been done since they got out to an own four start, just in yeah. terms of the odds, statistically speaking. And I understand You know, the front office, they want to hold out hope as competitors until there is no hope remaining. And even though the Broncos might not yet be mathematically eliminated, Zach, this season is over. It's time to turn the page and move on to Drew Locke. And by the way, Stu McPeak jumping in also with the $25 donation. He says it's lock time, but no confidence with Denver staff at this point to make the right call for the future. And that's that's a fair point, Zach. Not only making the right call for the future, meaning that they have the, the, the courage, if you will, to pull the trigger on getting Locke out there, but also 
a concern in the fan base that I've heard a lot this season in terms of, you know, maybe it's a good thing they're they're waiting to play Drew Locke because you don't want them to screw up Drew Locke like this this coaching staff doesn't have what it takes to develop where I think that's one of the strong suits that Fangio staff has shown thus far. I mean, it's not perfect across the board, but the one thing they have shown thus far is that they have been they they know what it takes to develop and and get the most out of young players. I mean, the thing with Locke is if we don't see what he's done and what he's capable of in this offense, what are you saying that they're not going to play him or a, a comment that would say they're not going to play him until Vic, Vic Fangio's out of the picture, Skangarello's out of the picture? That means you're not going to play him until after next year, potentially? It just makes no sense. You hired Fangio before you drafted Locke. You hired Skangarello before you drafted Locke. They hired him with a, uh, you, you drafted Locke with a reason in mind. And to drag your feet now and not play him, I don't blame the fan base at all, Chad. When you have Fangio coming out and saying it's not vitally important for Locke to play this year, that is a comment that incensed me. I can only imagine a diehard Broncos fan. And not only that, uh, JT points out here, and this is one of the downsides to us doing the gut reaction literally, you know, within minutes of the final gun sounding is some, we miss the podium and we have to go back to the podium after and, and see what was said. JT's reporting here that Fangio just did at the podium and said that he hasn't thought about starting Drew Locke. Uh, of course not. And, you know, here's the thing. That's what he's going to say right now in the immediate aftermath. It's it's partly, I wouldn't say true, but it's partly due to the fact that he's waiting for his marching orders from on high. He's waiting for John Elway to say, all right, yeah, Vic, the time has come. We're going to go ahead and activate Drew this week. You know, close ranks, get, tell Rich, get everything going and structured and, and set up for Drew. Right. And uh, that's, that's, it's always, always call. He has final say. And I know Fangio doesn't want to step on toes. I know he has a boss too. Like we all do. Everyone answers to someone, Chad. But to come out and, and continue perpetuating the, I think, myth that you're not going to play lock this year, it's just doing your team and the fan base a disservice. They have to play him. And it's to me, even through all the, the coach speak and all the, the secret, the secretive process in Denver right now, it's a matter of when, not if. Richard jumping in with a donation also from across the pond. We appreciate you, Richard, for joining us here. And it's a reminder that Broncos country is not just, you know, Colorado. It's not just Denver. Broncos country is a worldwide phenomenon. And everybody's suffering, Zach. Broncos country, whether it's in the United States, (laughs) whether it's across the pond, everyone's suffering right now. And that's, I don't know, isn't it like six hours ahead in England? I mean, you're up late late tonight watching this game right now, watching a brutal Broncos loss. So salute to you. That's, I appreciate and I respect the fandom. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills had 244 yards rushing, if you want to know Zero Fox uh, today. So, yeah, the, the Broncos defense, now you got to remember, Broncos defense went into this game as the 11th ranked rushing unit in the league and as the fifth-ranked passing defense in the league. And also, as a third-down unit, that defense was ranked seventh, allowing just 35% um, conversions on third down. All three of those, not so much against the pass today, but the rushing statistic, I mean, 244 yards, uh, and then the Broncos allowed 8 of 16 on third down, which is a 15-point increase over what they have averaged leading into this game. The Bills were able to just hold on to the football, milk the clock, and march up and down the field. Yeah, and, and the tackling wasn't great today. I mean, it was everything Fangio does not want in his defense. It was blown assignments. Alexander Johnson was taken for a ride today in, in one of the running plays. It was just the Denver defense breaking down like we saw against Fournette earlier this year. We saw against Crowell last year. Maybe not to that extent, um, but I think we did see the Denver defense kind of fall off a cliff today. 
Um, I'm just going to another question here. Uh, Robbie, thank you for the $20 donation. Robbie, I, we appreciate you. He says, I have concerns about properly developing a quarterback under defensive-minded staff. Just never seems like that is the focus. Do you guys share any of this concern? Chad? I mean, it's a concern. We touched on it just a couple minutes ago. I think under the Vance Joseph regime and the collection of Bill Musgrave, Mike McCoy, you know, that, that group – you have to worry a little bit about it. Honestly, if Rich Scangarello, I mean, he's growing and learning on the job as a play caller for the first time in the NFL. This has been evident and plain to see this year. And even John Elway, when he's spoken publicly on the radio with KOA, does his weekly appearance. You know, he's talked about how Rich is learning on the job. But the one bona fide that he absolutely brings to the table that's undisputable is he is a miracle worker, if you will, with um, developing young quarterbacks. And we've seen that so far. And so I'm not... You know, even Brandon Allen, look, today he struggled. It was an ugly game. He very evidently and clearly butted up against his ceiling. But those first two games, and really if you take his complete body of work, you know, he's he's obviously a, a backup-level guy. That's just what he is. But I would say that he exceeded expectations in that three-game window he's had so far, and that's a credit to Scangarello and quarterbacks coach T.C. McCartney. I'm even more encouraged, Zach, by the fact that Drew Locke showed development in the areas with his uh, technique, his footwork, all that stuff on playing under center this preseason and training camp before he suffered that injury, which is, again, a credit and a hint toward what Rich uh, Scangarello and T.C. McCartney can do. So that's really the last thing I'm worried about at this point. Yeah, there was a report that came out a few days ago that said behind the scenes, the Broncos are secretly happy with the progress that Locke is making. I agree with you, Chad. If anything, the Broncos may have found a long-term backup in Brandon Allen, and I think Scangarello has done a pretty good job developing quarterbacks. Remember, that's not his sole job in Denver like it was in San Francisco. He's calling plays. He's pretty much running the entire offense, whereas Fangio handles the defense. I don't really worry about having a defensive-minded coach as long as you have the right offensive coaches in place. And I believe with time and the right personnel, uh, Scans will be the right coach for this team. Steven, the email address is milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We just need your physical address, and we're going to get you some some yes. merch sent out as being such a consistent and strong supporter on our Super Chat. Um, let's see what Buana Beast here. Buana is consistently hanging out with us on these live episodes. He says, who do you trust in the front office and the coaching staff? Zach? Uh, in the front office, <laughs> that's a dicey uh, question there. I don't really trust Elway, for being honest. I mean, I know he's had a nice couple uh, good draft classes, but obviously him as a quarterback evaluator leaves a lot to be desired. I think Matt Russell's pretty good in that role. On uh, the coaching staff, I like Vic on the defensive side. Like we just talked about, I like Scangarello on the offensive side. They have some nice pieces in place, but once you start moving up that hierarchy and going into the Elway territory, then it gets a little dicey in my opinion. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. You know, I really do. Look, it's going to, we always knew it was going to take time for Vic Fangio to imprint on this organization. And, you know, three and eight, you hope for better, but especially with Joe Flacco being a 12th year guy and someone who's been to the top of the mountain, you expected this team to get out to at least a little bit more modest of a start than 0 and 4, like they did. But I, I really don't think that's an indictment on Fangio at this stage. Now, if the Denver Broncos get out to a three and eight start in 2020 as well, and it's looking like a repeat of the Vance Joseph regime in terms of the end result in the standings. Yeah, it's, you, you got to be a little bit concerned. But at this stage, with the chips that were dealt Vic Fangio in his first year, I mean, uh, lack of clarity at the quarterback position, issues with depth on at cornerback in the secondary on the offensive line. Yep. I mean, it, you just it adds up. I'm not worried about Vic Fangio. Rich Scangarello is a play caller. You know, I'm a little bit more concerned in terms of how long is it going to take him to get it and how much of this struggles that we're seeing from Scangarello on game day, how much of that can you attribute simply to the lack of having a dynamic quarterback, you know, and and because we've seen signs. For example, when Brandon Allen first entered the fray as a starter in week nine against the Browns, backed it up again in week 11 against the Vikings, we saw him moving the ball, you know, feeding the playmakers, taking shots, being willing to take chances down the field multiple vertical big plays. And today there was only one on that first possession. And then it disappeared that one play to Cortland Sutton that was for 25 or whatever it was, but we've seen that from Brandon Allen. So you have to wonder how much of that, again, Joe Flacco being the 33rd ranked uh, quarterback in terms of aggression, the first eight games that he was the starter, how much of Scangarello's troubles simply can be attributed to a lack of a dynamic threat at quarterback, which makes me even more Zach curious to see what kind of shape this offense can take once you get Drew Locke in there, let him, you know, shake off the rust, let him get some exposure, give it a game or two. And I'm really curious to see what, what this offense can do. And, and not just a bad quarterback, but to have a bad left tackle in there also. Scangarello and Fangio both were not given a good roster. I believe this season, um, considering what the expectations were in Fangio's first year, you put a capable left tackle. These are the two most important positions in all of football, I believe, is left tackle and cornerback, quarterback, Chad, excuse me. They don't have either right now. They have two bad players at those spots, so they did. Once you get those solidified, I'm with you. I think Scangarello can be a decent play caller if he just settles down and doesn't get so cute. And also Fangio, if he just runs the defense and he has the offense a little more stable on its own, then you'll see a consistent product. So hopefully next season when they have a year under their belt in their respective positions, we'll see a better, more stable and consistent product. Part of the problem here, Stu, today with the Broncos defense is the Buffalo Bills are a really good and dynamic rushing offense. And you saw Josh Allen, all the hype about him being like a poor man's Cam Newton. You saw that that, that's real. I mean, the hype is real. He can – create plays that, you know, but take a busted pass play and turn it into a 14, 15 yard gain on the ground with his legs. And part of that is the, the bills were doing so well, rushing the ball on first and second down 
um, that the Broncos felt like they had to stay in their base package, which kept the linebackers on the field. And then what the Bills did after a couple of possessions, seeing that the, the Broncos were staying in base, is then they started running you know, through three wide. They run Cole Beasley over the middle in a passing play against a linebacker like Alexander Johnson or Todd Davis. Todd Davis. Yeah, and they awful. just couldn't keep up with them. I mean, no one's going to keep up with, with Cole Beasley except for another defensive back. That was part of it. And kudos to, to the Bills for recognizing how to exploit the Denver Broncos in that area, Zach. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, bad tackling, uh, bad mismatches, like you mentioned with Todd Davis on receivers again. That was something right out of the Vance Joseph era. Um, Von Miller not getting any sacks, not getting the other quarterback, not getting pressure. And the Broncos just beating out their own game. The, the Bills wanted it more. They were more physical. Chris Harris Jr., can we talk about him for a second? He yeah. was roasted. Yeah for another week, and this guy wants top cornerback money. He wants to come back to Denver, and I hope some fans that are bigger fans of his start to see for what he really is. Still a good cornerback. I would say still a very good cornerback, but I would not say number one. I would not even say top five at this point. Man, and what's crazy about that, Zach, is, again, it's the same old story with Chris Harris, which it's been all season long, is he shuts down his guy. He shuts down that number one guy for, like, the majority of the game. And then at the penultimate moment, late in the clutch, chips are down, that's when the lapse comes. And that was no different today, except the only difference today, Zach, is that there was literally no one Harris could point the finger at but himself. I mean, he was beaten one-on-one straight up. And look, it's going to happen. Cornerbacks, you know, you, you not everyone can be Champ Bailey. Not everyone can be the greats like Darrell Revis as well. Guys are going to get beaten. Even they would get beat here and there, right? We saw it happen. With Chris Harris, though, the, the the troubling aspect to when Chris Harris has gotten beaten this year, Zach, is that it seems to come at literally the most inopportune time in yes. the clutch. Yeah, and it wasn't even on Simmons today. He wasn't supposed to have over-the-top help. I know the camera showed him. It was just uh, Chris Harris Jr. getting roasted by a, a fairly nondescript receiver, John Brown. If John Brown is roasting Chris Harris Jr., what would a Julio Jones do? What would a Tyree Kill do? What would some of the better receivers in the NFL do? I still like him. I still think the Broncos should make a push to bring him back next year, but he's certainly not a priority, certainly not the top priority, and certainly not number one cornerback money worthy, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, and that's the thing is – Throughout this most of this season, I've kind of hovered on the edge of thinking, well, you know, I, he hasn't been great, but I shudder to think what this defense would look like without Chris Harris Jr. locking down his side of the field for most of the game. And then I think to myself, well, you know, if the cost of that, if the, if the cost of doing business to have one side of the field mostly locked down throughout a game is paying a guy $14, 15000000 million, maybe that's something the Broncos just have to bite the bullet on. But the last few weeks, I've increasingly, Zach, come to the conclusion that you know what? Let Chris Harris Jr. test that market. Let him go see yes. what he can find. Focus your your uh, your efforts primarily on getting Justin Simmons re-signed here, as Alicia says. I don't even see at this point how it's even a debate. I mean, Simmons had a pick today. He He's blossoming. He hasn't even hit, I believe, his ceiling it as a player, whereas Chris Harris Jr. is over the hump. He's past his prime, and he's resting on his laurels right now as a former champion, a former all-pro quarterback. He's just not that level anymore. He was roasted today. He's been roasted this season, and if anything, 2019 is a downfall of Chris Harris Jr. like it was a couple seasons ago with the keep to leave. I mean, Harris held up okay last year without Akib Tlaib locking down his side of the field. You know, this is Harris's second year as Denver's number one corner, but this is the year where he's really – it's it's you know, he's best served as that really good number two guy and player that's probably best suited still playing in that nickel, playing inside. Uh, 
in passing situations. But here's uh, Tim has a question here. Why do we always have a hard time versus the Bills? We never seem to be able to beat them. So frustrating. Part of that, Tim, is that lately the Denver Broncos, when they've drawn the Bills on the schedule, Zach, they're having to travel to the East Coast, which is traditionally very difficult for a mountain time team like the Broncos. And it's just a tough place to play. And, you know, the last few years, the Broncos have just simply not been a good team. 2017, they faced the Bills. Also in Buffalo, that was the game in which Von Miller did the psych, you know, reached his hand out to uh, Tyrod Taylor, pulled it back, and in a crucial moment, and the, the refs threw a, like an unsportsmanlike on that. And the Broncos just have had, you know, it's just it's not easy place to win, especially if you are a fair to middling club like the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and the last couple of games have been one o'clock games too locally. That's always tough on the Broncos, like you mentioned, traveling to the East Coast and it mental lapses. Just like with Von Miller doing that little hand gesture, he didn't have to do that. The Broncos probably would have won that game today with the bad tackling, the bad coaching, and just having no fight or passion in them. It's just the mental miscues and it's coaching. That's been the difference in Buffalo. Some places are just house of horrors to play in. And I think they found theirs in uh, Orchard Park. Jordan says, not many positives that I can take away from this game. Do you guys got any? You know, Zach, this is one of the games. <laughs> I, really don't. I think this is the one game this year. I, I, in the moment, I have one. What do you got? Justin Simmons. That's, okay, there that's literally it. I mean, the special teams was awful today. The offense was awful today. The defense was awful today. The coaching. Yeah, this was just a, a tape, a game that you want to burn the tape to. But Justin Simmons, I guess that's... That's your silver lining for today. Nick, we appreciate you, brother. We appreciate yes. all of you guys that join Always. us on these live episodes and also those of you who listen to the podcast after the fact. You guys, you know, you make it, it worth it for us to continue to put in the time and the effort covering this team and bringing you our analysis. And as long as you keep showing up, we'll keep bringing it. JT says, guys, we must touch on Garrett Holtz. He literally is playing as an opposition player. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How much more can we and the coaches endure? And it's a good point, Zach, and I tweeted about this. I don't. I mean, this is how sick of a maniac I am and how much this team has wormed itself into my lizard brain, but <laughs> I literally had a dream last night, okay, that the Denver Broncos benched Garrett Bowles in the Bills game, what was in the future and now is in the past. But I had a dream that they actually, like in my mind, in my subconscious, it was such a, like a miracle that the Broncos finally – you know, accepted the reality and benched Garrett Bowles and sent a message that, okay, this is unacceptable. And he proved it again. It didn't happen, of course, but he proved it again today, his 13th hold. This one was on a running play. Usually his holds come in pass protection. This one, a running play, his 13th of the year. And I don't know, Zach, I think if you had a healthy Juwan James and there was a viable option in the Broncos coaches' minds to yeah. – you know, kick either James over to left tackle or Elijah Wilkinson over to left tackle because Wilkinson did play well in the preseason, albeit against second and third teamers at left tackle. But when Jake Rogers is the only thing separating Brandon Allen from getting completely demolished, mm -hmm. Broncos just don't have enough faith in it. And I think also, Zach, it's another one of those decisions, uh, Garrett Holds being a John Elway first rounder, that Vic Fangio probably has to wait from the you know the edict from on high saying okay now's the time go ahead and pull it chad what is this team doing to you man they're literally ruining your mental health if you're <laughs> dreaming about them and having nightmares about garrett Bowles, yeah i mean what more could we say about the guy every time he's on the field he hurts the team just by virtue of being out there i tweeted about that also i mean he, the broncos aren't good enough still to overcome one garrett Bowles penalty or, or sack allowed or whatever it just puts him into a tailspin 
I don't know that he'll be definitely gone next year. I would certainly believe that Elway will find his replacement and have him on the roster like we always talk about, Chad. Maybe Mick Bowles, a swing player. But he's shown over and over and over again, even with the addition of Mike Munchak, he's just not not a caliber player, not a starting caliber player in Denver. Um, I mean, it's just he's proving he's proving that he's a walking liability. I mean, at any given moment. Now, the Broncos' offense today was just a complete crap show. That wind was clearly affecting Brandon Allen, who is already a kind of a weak-armed quarterback. He's got athleticism. He's got a little, you know, even Vic Fangio this past week called him a gamer. He's got a little bit of that to him. I don't want to take that aspect away from him, but from a traits and a, and a tools perspective, his arm strength was, is maybe even a little below average for NFL standards. And, man, today in that wind, you saw how badly he struggled from a – accuracy perspective to put enough oomph on the ball especially when he was thrown outside the the hashes it was ugly meanwhile you flip it the the script zach on the other side josh allen you saw what an elite arm strength can do even in the face of blowing wind like that but how about the play calling it was a third and three and they're having uh brandon allen throw into the wind deep downfield 20 30 yards i mean that's just coaching right there allen josh allen faced the same wind, the same conditions but they called more quick hitters more crossers it's just it came down to coaching and the bills outclassed the broncos in that in that respect Dion says so guys if Locke starts next week and lights it up how do you feel would you be excited or be a little ticked off because we could have been seeing this for a few weeks now I'm already ticked off. And right. I mean, here's exactly. the thing. Look, here's the reality. I don't expect Drew Locke to come in on a three and eight squad and blow the doors down. At this point, it's literally like it's it's like baseball. At the back end of a season, if you're out of contention, you get the young guys up and see what they can do. The only difference in this case is that, you know, Drew Locke's five game, if he ends up getting these final five games, you know, it's it really is an audition, Zach, to see whether or not he shows any signs or flashes of being a franchise caliber guy in which the team can go into 2020 confidently feeling like they have something they can build around. That's the question. I don't expect him to blow the doors down. I do expect him to flash, though. I I maintain this and have since the Broncos drafted him and even beforehand. He has franchise tools. And from an intangibles perspective, he is not Paxton Lynch. He proved that as soon as he arrived in Denver, going and talking about how you know, he was practicing the play calls in the mirror to try and get him down. We never saw anything resembling that level of dedication from Paxton Lynch on a, on the mental aspects and, and demands of the game throughout his entire tenure, Zach, in, in Denver. I'm not worried about that as it relates to Drew Locke. I'm not either. And like you said, I'm already kind of mad the Broncos have dragged their feet and they've been a little, I believe, dishonest about Locke's progress or lack thereof in his injury. Any more time wasted is only going to make me angry. He has to get on the field now. Starting tomorrow, he needs quarterback one reps. It needs to happen. So I'm not going to be upset if he plays next week, if he starts. He should have been playing all along as much as he could have been possible. If they keep delaying this, though, it's only going to make me angry. It's only going to make, I believe, the Broncos fan base already frustrated, almost boil over with rage. I mean, I've seen a lot of comments all just in this comment stream alone, not to say on the on milehighhuddle.com comments, social media, of Broncos fans saying, look, I'm just not showing up until they make some changes here. I'm just not going to the games. Now, I'm not advocating that. I really am not. I don't think that's the best thing to do as a fan. But it would send a message. It does send a message, no doubt about it. And Jeremy wants to know, after his erratic performance last night, is Oregon's Justin Herbert still a legitimate draft option? Zach, absolutely, he's going to be a legitimate draft option for the NFL. I've been trying to tell you guys this for a long time now. 
He's got some tools. There's a lot to like about Justin Herbert, but there's also, to me, a lot of areas for concern. And yeah. especially as a competitor, he kind of goes into a shell at times, and we saw that last night. Yeah, I'm not going to say I've been chewing Justin Herbert's hate, but there's a lot of bust factor, there's a lot of bust potential the Broncos have to be wary of. He's not, I, I don't believe, the top quarterback in the class, but whether or not they chase him or anyone else and the level of interest they're going to show in him will all depend on how Drew Locke does. They cannot make an evaluation or a decision one way or the other until seeing what they have, if anything, in Drew Locke. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Derek with a $5 donation on Thank Super you, Chat. Appreciate, Appreciate you, bro. He says, will Locke be the backup next week or not? And if he starts, I expect him to get better each game. I do too. I mean, again, he's not going to blow the doors down, but I expect you'll you'll see incremental improvements from Drew Locke. The more opportunities at the plate, so to speak, that he gets. I don't think, though – all right, pushed into a corner. I think he's definitely getting ab- uh, activated this coming week, Zach. Drew Locke, I don't think the Broncos are going to avoid that. I think it's going to happen. Will he start or will he be the backup? What's your answer for Derek? Oh, God. I My heart says one thing. My brain says another. I, I want to say he'll be at least the backup. I don't think he's going to be the starter, though. I just don't see the Broncos making that quick of a call, to, considering how they're still parroting this line about not needing to play Drew Locke and what Fangio is saying. Until him and Elway get on the same page, I think – Unfortunately, we'll see him at most as a backup next week, and he'll get the final two games, which is not nearly enough to start. The only thing I would say to that in terms of, and again, we're, we're trying to get inside the heads of the, the, and the thinking process of this team, the, the shot callers, which has been an exercise in going crazy this year. It's hard to try and, and get on board with what they're thinking and rationalize the way they are. But if the stars are aligned, okay, if you're going to start Drew Locke, if you're going to begin that clock, in a perfect world, you want to do it at home against you know a marginal opponent, and this week offers you that. Week 16 would as well against the Lions, but you got the L.A. Chargers at home next week. That's your perfect opportunity, in my opinion, yeah. to start Locke, which is the biggest argument for will he be the backup, will he, be, will he start? I think Drew Locke goes from backup to starter. Maybe that's a bold pr- – or uh, injured reserve to starter this coming week, and maybe that's a bold prediction, but that's how I see it unfolding. And Jay says – you guys just said how Allen had no place to go downfield, but then just blamed Rich for calling plays to get the ball downfield. Which one is it? I don't understand how Broncos fans are always so fixated on being black and white. It's always one or the other, like it was either Flacco or Scangarello. I mean, both things can be true. You don't call 20-yard pass plays and driving win when you need three yards to make a first down. It's just simple situational football like that. It's both of them today. Brandon Allen was not good, uh, and and Scangarello was not good. It doesn't have to be either or. I don't understand this this camp thinking, Chad. I mean, here's here's the reality. Almost every play that gets called in the NFL passing play, okay, has at least one opportunity in the route concept for a deep shot, okay, 20 yards or more. Almost every play, not, it's not absolute, but just about every play. I had an offensive guy when I was covered the senior bowl one year explain this to me, a coach. And that didn't just disappear when Joe Flacco was the quarterback. He had opportunities on plays to push the ball vertically. He didn't. Brandon Allen, he showed more of a penchant and a focus for when those calls would come in, keeping his eye on and being willing to push the ball to those vertical routes or the opportunities to challenge the defense vertically. And today, I mean, there were a few shots like that, but they were few and far between. And I don't necessarily think it was because of the play calling per se. 
it was more about a quarterback knowing, recognizing his his limitations arm strength wise, and going against a, a really good corner and Tre'Davious White. First of all, against Cortland Sutton. Second, that wind, you know, it just it just didn't add up to good things. Now, Larry here says if Locke is activated and is the backup, how short is Allen's leash, Zach? If that's how it shakes up, and that's probably even though I predict Drew Locke goes from IR to starter, it's probably the more likely path is that they make him a backup before they start him. However, if that happens, what do you think? What's the leash look like for Brandon Allen? It has to be extremely short. The Broncos can't worry about Brandon Allen's feelings right now. They have to worry about what Drew Locke brings to the table. If they go into next week's game, if, if Allen is starting that game and they go down 14-0, 21-0, it goes to halftime, that's the perfect situation to put Locke in. You don't have to start him. You can bring him into a game. He's always the most popular player as a backup quarterback against a beatable opponent at home. There's no perfect situation for this, Chad, but that would be as close to it as possible. So if he does not start next week, Locke, if he is the backup, I don't anticipate Brandon Allen's leash being any sort of of long. He had one game where he looked decently good. He lost last week. He lost today. He's not the guy. He's not. He's not. And so hopefully tomorrow, Zach, we might not. So here's here's how it unfolds. After the Broncos play, whether it's Sunday or Monday, let's just say in this case, since that's what we're dealing with, it's a Sunday, Vic Fangio will meet with the media the following day on Monday at about noon. Maybe we get some kind of an announcement on what's going to unfold with Locke this week because I think it would be in the team's best interest to if they're going to activate Locke, even if it's just to be the backup, to try and give the fans some hope and some excitement, something to look forward to. I think it would behoove the team to let everyone know that they're planning on doing that as early as possible in the week. Doesn't mean it'll happen, but I wouldn't be surprised, Zach, if, if Vic Fangio comes out tomorrow uh, on Monday around noon and says, yeah, we're going to go ahead and, and activate Lockheed's these two weeks of practice. He's looked really good. And maybe he doesn't announce whether or not he's going to start, but hopefully yeah. we get some kind of messaging on that front from the Broncos tomorrow. Yeah. Knowing how secretive they've been, I would not be surprised if they would take this down to a competitive advantage and be like, okay, Brandon Allen is starting this week, and on Saturday or something, they make the switch and, and decide that Drew Locke is starting. Fangio is not going to show his cards. Elway's not going to show his cards. But the least they could do to throw the fan base a bone and the team a bone is to at least put him on the roster and make him the backup and then go from there. Wishbone, yeah. This this has happened many times over the course of Denver Broncos history. Um it can happen. And that's one of the, if you're a backup quarterback and especially a backup who's never played in the NFL, one of the, I mean, you, you want to completely deflate the pressure of a situation, have Brandon Allen start a game. And at the first sign of him struggling, Drew Locke enters the game as from, from the backup. That's, I mean, you're taking the pressure off him. The start goes on Allen. He goes in and he can make some magic happen. We've seen it with Denver Broncos over the years. And it happens in the NFL year in and year out. Takeaways from today's game. Let's just let's just summarize like this. Brandon Allen, not the answer. I think most of you knew that going into this, and he was just holding down the fort. Was today, Zach, here's my last question to you, and then we'll bid adieu to all our great listeners and viewers here. Was today enough of a statement for the Denver Broncos brass to to spark some change? Are the wheels of change going to be in motion? I don't see how why it shouldn't. What is one reason why they shouldn't make a change here? I mean, they're out of playoff contention. They have a hundred. I mean, the, the total yardage they had in this game, Chad, was despicable. It's disgraceful to the NFL. Why would you not? Why would you remain with the status quo 
and continue losing and continue being incompetent and inept and being the laughingstock of the NFL. If this loss didn't precipitate change or last week's loss and they blew a 20-point lead, what is it going to take for the Broncos to do the right thing and show some foresight? I don't know. I can't explain that if it doesn't happen. I think the wheels of change are in motion. Tip your cap to, to uh, Brandon Allen, who you know did about as best as he could for a three-game audition to be that spot starter and show the Broncos that, hey, man, you got a quarterback on your roster who can step in in a pinch and hold the fort down while your starter, you know, if he gets banged up and you need a one or two game window for that. Brandon Allen's proven he can do that, but the Broncos need an answer. He's, it's it's plain as day now. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Can't get around it. The Broncos need to get Drew Locke out on the field and find out what they have in him. You got five games left in this season. You can still make them count. You can still start stacking some credits, if you will for the future by getting Drew Locke his, his 0-7, it's not quite apples to apples, but 0-7 Jared Goff experience. Now get him that five-game window of, of experience to get, see what it's like to start, see what it's like to play in the NFL against NFL-level defenses, coverage, speed, physicality, pressure. You got to start dumping that on him now. And hopefully he shows enough, Zach, to, you know, where the Broncos can feel confident going into 2020. Draft-wise, you know, they can build the nest – and grab a tackle in the first round, start grabbing some cornerbacks, start doing things to build a round lock. Hopefully he shows enough to be able to give them the encourage them to have the confidence to do that instead of feeling like they have to knee jerk and go back to the well and draft another quarterback in 2020. And, you know, the only thing, Zach, that it, I could see the Broncos doing that, the only way e- events could unfold for that happening is if Drew Locke, again, goes out this year and completely in these in a four or five game window of time, throws up Nathan Peterman caliber numbers. But guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thanks for each and every one of you for joining us. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, as you can see here, at Kelberman NFL, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We will have some in-depth analysis in the written form at milehighhuddle.com, so go check that out for post-game coverage following this podcast and then we'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern for the aftermath episode of the huddle up podcast so keep your chin up guys and hopefully you know this is enough to move the needle and and spark the wheels of change and set them in motion and we get a, a glimpse at drew lock this coming week for zach kelberman i'm chad jensen we'll talk to you guys tomorrow night 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 